Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. Welcome to the Clutter Fairy Weekly for October 20th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is our uh, weekly webcast and podcast where we talk about all things organizing. And uh, we are actually going to do this based on um, all of the comments that you make and this week in particular is a we're responding to a comment that somebody made about wanting us to refresh um, an old topic so that's what we're going to focus on today if you're joining us in zoom for the first time you can share your comments and questions via the chat and i'll try to make sure gail gets to them before we move on to something else you can also use the raise hand feature to let me know if you would like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. We're attempting to stream the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and suggestions there if I get that going, and I'll relay them to Gail. And during the live webcast every Tuesday, you can talk to us by calling 669-900-6833, use meeting ID 993-419-863, and password clutter to join the meeting. We are talking today about clear your clutter, love your life, organize for positive change. In a recent episode, we explored the role of emotions in the clutter equation. We identified positive emotions that can support the organizing process and negative ones that interfere with our ability to declutter. We've talked previously about the feedback loop that can arise between clutter and negative emotions. We feel bad, so we ignore or exacerbate our clutter, which makes us feel bad, which makes us ignore or exacerbate our clutter, and so on. <laughs> Today, we're gonna to look at that dynamic from a different angle. We wanna examine how living in clutter can reflect negative emotional patterns, such as distraction, resistance, and avoidance of pain. Then we'll discuss how the decluttering process might serve as a release from bad feelings and a trigger for brightening your emotional landscape. There you go. <laughs> so we talk a lot about direct causes of clutter, like not handling the mail often enough or owning too much volume to, for a space that you live in or being sentimentally attached to things. Today, we're gonna to talk about some of the more subtle emotional origins of clutter. A cluttered home is a space that makes us feel trapped, stuck, unable to accomplish the simplest chores. It's a huge effort to clean, eat, get dressed, pay the bills. It requires a bunch of mental and physical energy to complete the everyday events of the day. Maneuvering through a cluttered landscape requires a lot of focus. With all that attention on the hassle of living in clutter, it's easier to ignore other emotional issues that are troubling us. Sometimes clutter is an outward symptom that is a reflection of inner turmoil. Clutter is the perfect distraction from emotional pain. With all your efforts focused on getting through the day, you prevent yourself from having the leftover time and energy to face something painful in your life. It creates a physical barrier to moving forward, literally. In a house that is only passable via small goat trails, you totally restrict your movement in space preventing physical forward movement. This might be a reflection of being stuck in your life emotionally. I hear interesting stories from my clients telling me why they can't do this task or follow some interest. The explanation is usually something like, I need to do A first, then I can do B. Or I can't do this until I can do that. When I start to talk to them about a way around the hangup, a way to get to the end goal, they start to panic and resist my efforts to find a way. 
I finally have to give up in the face of their very strong objections to the belief that they cannot move forward on that task. Even though I can clearly see a way, it gets shot down in favor of staying frozen and unmoving. The clutter is the method they're using to avoid something, to avoid following through, to avoid making a change in their life or surroundings. When everything in your surroundings grind to a halt, you're forced to stay exactly where you are in space. If that is a reflection of an emotional state, then you're frozen in that emotion also. It seems like a good plan to avoid feeling something painful and to be stuck in a place where you don't have to face a painful truth. But the problem is it doesn't stay stuck for just a day. It stays stuck for as long as you stay stuck. Sometimes I work in people's houses that have stayed braced against some painful feeling for years. That seems like much too long to carry a burden like that. And it requires so much effort to maintain the chaos that keeps you frozen. In the end, the prevention becomes more costly than the cure. It costs much more in terms of quality of life to avoid the negative feelings than to deal with them. So what's the alternative to clutter as distraction and avoidance of pain? I like to talk about reframing your thoughts here so you can see the problem of clutter differently and head towards solutions. So if the clutter is the distraction that keeps you stuck in pain and suffering, then maybe decluttering can trigger a shift in your life. Processing your clutter can mirror processing your emotional baggage. And in a positive way, it can make a change in your life. Processing clutter can be a much less painful way of facing your issues and finally moving forward. In an obvious way, it will make your living area more pleasant and make your life easier to live, but it will help shift your emotional life to a new place too. It will make improvements in your life, both physically and mentally. In an earlier presentation on this topic, we talked about ideas from the positive psychology, from the field of positive psychology for ways to create happiness in your life. Proponents of positive psychology suggest practices that can help your brain become more positive and support more happiness, simple habits that have been shown to make humans happier and more successful. Here's the list we offered in our May 2013 meetup, as suggested by this field of positive psychology. One suggestion was write down three things you're grateful about. This activity helps rewire your brain to retain a pattern of scanning the world for the positive instead of the negative. Journal about a positive experience. The act of writing about it gives your brain a chance to relive the experience. Number three is physical exercise. The action of regular moderate exercise teaches your brain that behavior matters. Meditation. The practice of meditation teaches your brain to focus on the moment and the task at hand instead of on many competing tasks and distractions. And the last one is practice random acts of kindness. Sending a supportive and positive email to someone every time you open your inbox, praising them or thanking someone in your social network is a random act of kindness that you can do that might make you feel better. All of these suggestions struck us really great ideas, but we decided to go a step further and create a declutter focused version of the list to help you become more positive about specifically about the task of decluttering your space and generate some emotional shifts in your life as a result. 
So we call our list the Clutter Fairies five-step daily practice to support a clutter-free life, <laughs> which is a mouthful. It's but a it's a five. It's a little long-winded, but it is a five-step daily practice. That's what we're hoping that you get out of that. So here's number one on the Clutter Fairies list. Post on YouTube, um, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your social media outlet is. Every time you accomplish a clutter-reducing task. Number two is take a moment to write about the experience of letting go of something or call a friend to talk about it as a way of sharing and processing. Set a timer and declutter for 15 minutes a day or do the 10 things exercise. So pick up 10 things to trash and or, and, or tr trash or recycle and pick up 10 things to give away or donate each day. Sit still in a decluttered space and focus on how you feel as the meditation version of our clutter list, our daily practice. If you don't have such a space right now in your own house, then you can find one out somewhere in the world. In pre-pandemic times, I would have suggested going to Ikea and sit in one of the room displays or a model house living room or a nice furniture store that has displays. Nowadays, we might have to modify those instructions to something you feel comfortable doing. So maybe you sit in a park or in a friend's living room where you feel safe, etc. Once you find that place where you want to sit and feel, notice how you feel. Do you feel peaceful and calm? Is it restful and soothing to be there? Notice how your mind feels in this environment. And that's the feeling you want to have in your own home. The last uh, daily practice is give something away as a donation and tell us about it in your YouTube com in the YouTube comments here or any of our social media venues. Being supportive of someone else on their decluttering journey is a way for you to be practicing a random act of kindness. So focus those random acts on helping others via your organizing journey. Let this be your clearing clutter practice and see how much forward motion you achieve. And if it brings up something painful to deal with, seek the help you need, either friends or professionals, to help you process and move past whatever you've been avoiding. It will totally be worth it in the end. So who has comments about this concept? I was thinking when you were talking about try, trying to establish positive habits, I, one thing I have noticed is right now, um, the habits I've been trying to establish that are shaky have fallen completely apart. Yeah. And the habits, even habits that are rather well established are uh, on, you know, rocky foundations right now. And I'm <laughs> curious to hear whether you're experiencing that, whether other people are experiencing that, that the stresses of the, the current situation are making it harder, Hard. harder to just stick stick with the day-to-day. -day. I think that it is 100% true that when you are calm and comfortable and living your best life, then your responses are, their best, are the best possible responses. And when we are stressed out, overwhelmed, feeling um, out of control, then we resort to our worst behaviors, to our old habits, to um, coping mechanisms that feel um, 
familiar. And usually those are the ones that you've had the longest that aren't really the most supportive. They're definitely, um, they're definitely from familiar, but they aren't always in your best interests, <laughs> I guess. And so we are all under a lot of pressure right now. And we're all at home living with our clutter right now. And I think that there is an immense pressure to resort to what feels familiar and comforting. And none of those things, usually those things aren't good habits, right? Usually it's anything that you don't have to work at because right now working at something feels impossible. So I'm not surprised that under anxiety and pressure that you feel like your habits are sort of going out the window. Um, my version of that is about food. Like I'm definitely, um, you know, oh my gosh. eating comfort food instead of eating healthy food because I'm stressed out and it's a conscious effort to, okay, I need to eat an apple instead of potato chips, right? <laughs> I really have to have this massive conversation with myself about that and it's annoying as hell, but, but I am experiencing that same collapse of better habits and so it's like you know then you sort of have to talk yourself around to okay i know that my first response to this situation is you know how we responded in april and may it's like now it's been months and maybe we need to try to you know corral back to something that's more supportive of us in the long term yeah and, and it, it's hard and maybe adjust mm -hmm. the scale of what mm -hmm. we're doing to, mm -hmm. you know, I've been finding it hard to do my daily 25 minutes of writing. And as, as you talked about these little, the idea of a little writing assignment, just write about something pleasant that you did. Just write right? you know, for five, write for five minutes, write for five minutes. Sounds like a much more manageable <laughs> assignment right now. Anya said clutter feels like energy gone stale. I see it especially in apartments that are totally full of knickknacks and decorations because they just want to make me, they make me want to scream. <laughs> well, and I totally feel like, you know, that it's gone stale when you feel like the pile in the corner is now sort of part of the landscape. It's part of the wall. Like that's how you know that it's gone stale for you is when you walk by and you don't even notice that there's five boxes piled there and you just walk around them. And for you, it's just part of the background noise and you don't even notice it anymore. And I always surprise people when I go in for assessments in particular where I ask people to, okay, take me around and show me what your, um, yeah, severe clutter blind, blind, blindness, exactly. They ask me to um, come and look at their, I say, show me the space and they walk me through and I will point and say, what, what's in that pile over there? What is that about? Oh, and they look at me like, I didn't notice that. I forgot about that. And I often hear, I don't remember what's over there. And then I start to pull it out and they go, Oh, I've been looking for that. Like it's a, it's a, it's a way that we cope with being overwhelmed that we sort of um, 
it's like we make it hazy in our head and we sort of whitewash it over so that you don't see it anymore. And the more cloud crowded it gets, the more you have to be blind to it and the more effort you have to put into not seeing it. And I think it takes a lot of emotional energy to maintain that blindness. And then when I walk in with completely open eyes and go, hey, what's going on over there? What's behind the door? What's underneath this desk there? What's on top of the table over there? They're always like, it's like I've wiped something away from their face and suddenly they can see that, oh my God, there's a bunch of crap over there. <laughs> when did that happen? And so um, one of the ways that I uh, talk about facing that is, and I use this in this office context, but imagine that your mother-in-law is coming to the house. <laughs> or somebody else who you find to be a little intimidating. Someone Imagine whose perspective is sharp. Yes, yes, yes. Imagine that that person is coming and then suddenly your blindness has been lifted. Like you will suddenly see things that you don't normally see. And um, it's a good mental exercise to recognize it and move it out of the way. If we, if we find if we find that we're um, part of how we're coping right now is that we're going clutter blind uh, out of stress and overwhelm with all the things that are happening in the world, the stuff in your house is the one thing that you can take 100% control over. And so if you want to set a timer in the five daily practices if you want to tackle that stuff in a way that is positive forward motion and starts to make a shift in an environment that you can control i think it will have a lot of positive effects um, i mean you know moving clutter around is always a good thing and trying to make some make some headway on something that you can actually control will totally give you some emotional rewards that are really a fabulous thing. And as you clear up spaces and, and I talked earlier in the talk about you can't use the kitchen to cook because you can't do your favorite craft because you can't see the bottom of the craft room. Well, if you can spend some time decluttering getting a control of your surroundings you might be able to get back something that will help you navigate this pandemic time more comfortably and more relaxed like if you haven't been able to knit because you can't get in your craft room and then you do enough work in your craft room for a week that then you can get out yarn and do some knitting you will remind yourself, oh, yeah, when I'm creative, this is like super, super off, off, awesome. And I feel better and I'm focused in the moment and I'm not stressed out about what's going on outside of my life and outside of my house. And it's a positive way to navigate this pandemic instead of a negative way. And so this is why those daily practices from the, you know, write down things you're grateful about, journal a positive experience, get physical exercise, meditate, and practice random acts. That's the general um, positive psychology point of view. And so instead of writing down things you're grateful for, post and be grateful online about the clutter, the decluttering 
the clutter reducing thing that you did. Just focus that, um, you know, thing that you're grateful for on the decluttering that you accomplish. So then you're, you know, you're just narrowing down that that focus onto one particular activity you're trying to accomplish. Um, journal about a positive experience. You can take a moment to write about letting go of something. That's the clutter version. Or call a friend and talk about it so that you're focusing on, I did this and it was a good thing and I had a good emotional experience and let's talk about it so that you can relive it and soothe yourself with that positive um, experience. The physical exercise version <laughs> of the decluttering list is to set the timer and declutter for 15 minutes or go and pick up 10 things um, for trash and recycle and 10 things to donate. I had a client who just email, emailed me this morning who said, um, I made that suggestion because she's in a um, uh, she's in a townhouse that's small. And she's getting, you know, and she's been very careful about staying in the house. And so she's feeling a little, um, you know, jammed in up there. And so I told her, don't worry about organizing a specific room. Just focus on removing things. You don't have to make the room be pretty. You just need to go subtract stuff that's in your way right now. And she has been able to just focus on removal and she feels a lot of relief just from having a bunch of stuff go out the door. And so she feels like she's in motion and she feels like she's accomplishing something. You can do that as the physical version, the physical exercise version of that list. Go get, pull some stuff out and take it out and donate it. The meditation version um, is to sit in a, a clear space, what you consider to be a clear space and feel what it's like. Um, I think people don't recognize how much, how noisy a cluttered room is and um, how much mental noise is there. And so if you sit in the same place all the time and it's always surrounded by stuff and you never, you're like going, la, 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 I'm not paying attention, I'm not paying attention, I'm being clutter blind to all the stuff surrounding me. If you can go and sit in a place that doesn't make you throw up those barriers um, that you find to be mentally soothing, then you can have the experience of, oh, what I'm really looking for is I want to live in a space where when I walk around, it doesn't make my head explode. <laughs> You're trying to achieve that sense of peace all the time. And if your space is cluttered, you forget what you're aiming for. So you can go meditate on that by sitting someplace that you do find emotionally and mentally soothing and remind yourself where you're aiming for, what, what mental goal and emotional goal you're trying to reach in your home. And, you know, a lot of times people find it um, very soothing to go sit someplace that is calm and peaceful just to give themselves a break from uh, a chaotic space. And that can be the clutter-free version of meditating, right? And the last one, um, practice random acts of kindness. So the clutter version of that is sending your things on to be helpful to someone else and finding a place that, where you feel like your donations are benefiting others and knowing that you are, you, as, as you give away things to donation, you're practicing a random act of kindness and you are helping somebody else. And so 
finding that charity that gives you those warm feelings and sending things on to them and then coming and telling us about it. Hey, I gave away stuff to the women's shelter in my neighborhood. I gave away a bunch of books to the library at the school, whatever you need to do and then come and tell us about it so that you can stay in touch with the fact that you did a random act of kindness. You don't know exactly who's benefiting down the road, but you know that that is going to benefit somebody and staying focused on that random act of kindness so that you can see the positive results of the work that you've done. And inspire other people in this, in this community. Hi, I'm Cara. Good to see Hi, you. Hi, Cara. It's snowy Minnesota right now. Oh, I wish. <laughs> right. right. This is really um, helpful to me right now. I uh, moved to this townhouse in Minneapolis from California from a larger place. Tried to downsize and I did a bunch, but now I've got some of those papers and things. So going through um, my papers and photographs, it's remind hard work reminding me of of a divorce, of the grief of losing my husband and my two parents and, and all of those things. So it's been emotional and kind of going through and getting rid of some things though really does feel freeing. But there's a little price of emotional hurt to pay. But so this is good to give us, to give me courage to continue on because sometimes it's like I want, I'd rather avoid it but as Nancy and from North Carolina said, she said she said it feels like I've been quieting down our home versus getting rid of the stuff, and I like that. The voices are that have been talking from those things um, are quieted down once they've dealt. Right, because that's the thing when you when you ignore them, they don't disappear from the landscape, right? And so they're still over there going. I'm over here. I'm about the divorce. If you come over here, you're going to be sad. Like they're still having a conversation with you, even though you're trying desperately to ignore, ignore them. And so I think that that process of not dealing with them, it extends the loop for much longer, right? Like if you can just climb that little emotional mountain and go, yes, this is going to suck. But on the other side, you are right? Like you're done and you can let it go. And you, and that goes off your list forever. And having that relief is huge. And, and I find that in the ignoring, it gets a whole lot bigger than it actually is, right? Like, you know, you're going to be upset about it because you're talking about the divorce. Oh my God, there's nothing about the bad juju of the old person that is so painful and niggling and ugh, stabby and it's like it's super annoying but if you can just look at it and go okay I'm so done with that and whether it makes you angry or sad or grief filled or whatever the emotion is you a you earned it you earned the emotion and you should have it and you should let yourself deal with the stuff you know, like you, you're still going to have, you know, feelings of grief and loss around a divorce or anger or un, whatever's going on. But you don't need the stuff to magnify or amplify those emotions. Right. And letting go of some of that stuff or deciding that you want to remember this good part about your relationship 
and you're going to keep this representative sample of things and you're going to go put those in a in a box and then you're going to let all the rest of this crap go and you're not going to have five boxes in the corner that say divorce that you know in your head they say divorce and you're going to move with them every time you move like no you don't want to literally be dragging that baggage around right and so good job let me just clap for you yay and if the emotion if it's difficult and it's super hard and it's really triggering then you have to do it in small doses and so you do it at whatever speed allows you to make some forward motion however small it is and you face stuff and process and move on and face stuff and process and move on and and you can do it for 10 minutes a day or two hours a day or four hours a day or whatever works for you right until you get through the stuff and the whole divorce thing is a whole different emotional bundle than grief about loss of parents like that's a whole different ball of wax that you have to come to deal with and I think it's really hard to face that stuff in the beginning like you can't right away it's such a it's such a change in your psyche to have two people that have been part of your life in whatever way they've been present from every moment of your life and suddenly they're not present and dealing with that blow to your psyche is a very it's one of those passages of life that you can't imagine until you're in it and then you just have to navigate it until it's gone and or, or until you learn to live with the new normal really like it never goes away completely but you get to a place like I can talk about mother and talk about mother's garden you know and not sob because it's been six years and and I'm that much farther down the road about it and I still miss her I still think about her and miss her so processing grief is a whole nother bag of <laughs> tricks <laughs> but once you get past the initial you know sometimes you'd have to take a year or 18 months or two years and then you can go in and start decluttering that stuff and see it separately like this is this is a tchotchke. This is not my mother. This is a tchotchke that I have a whole bunch of um, emotional attachment to because it reminds me of her. This is a tchotchke that I don't have as much emotional attachment to and I can let go. And you can sort of, you know, go through that process. Okay, there, there's the end. Thank you. Appreciate it. your comment. And somebody, Maida, has her hand raised now. So. Thank you. Am I, am I there? Okay. Yeah. Yes, you uh, are. Yeah, I wanted to speak Maida. about the, um, hi, everybody. Um, and the other thing about when, you know, when someone passes away, sometimes we attach what we think they wanted. Like I'm trying to sort of restore my mother's house to back to what it used to be. And then if my father's there and he's letting it get cluttered and I'm trying to like restore it. And then I finally, after talking to relatives, realized that she wanted to move from that house. So there's probably nothing oh. there. That like if I talk to her now, she'd be like, uh, "Yeah, whatever, get rid go. of that." Yeah. So uh, sometimes we we attach things to people that have passed away that might not even be real. Yeah. So that was help. That was helpful to me to go. You know what? I don't have to 
redo this or or save this or, or be super attached fly. to this home yeah because she was because uh, many people have now told me she of, of other places she wanted to live and she wanted to downsize and she stuff that she wanted to do that never that she didn't get to do that i was not aware of so that reframed a lot for me so i just thought i'd say that that's awesome and you know truthfully i miss my mother's house but it was really because the house is that space that you picture them living in and somehow the house is all that's left of their life and it feels like I need the house to remember her well of course you don't but it is very distressing to think about dismantling their life but the truth is they're gone and the house while a monument to their life is not actually their life and it's a place that can be reclaimed for some other purpose and maybe the purpose is that somebody new gets to live in the house right? like maybe it's time to send that house surrender the house attachment to you and it needs to go on to the next person and it was hard um, to do to undo my mother's house and and we gave away she had been decluttering since she moved there I was super proud of her for that she had a decorator come and do her house and he got rid of a bunch of stuff and then she spent her time going through various places to work on them and so that you know everything in this drawer was the same thing and everything in the closet was what she was currently wearing and everything in that closet was you know records and here's where all the files and she spent some time making that happen so that leash and i didn't have to de-scrambleize as well as make decisions about what was going to go where and um that made our job easier and we still you know i took a third of it leisha took a third of it a third of it just got donated away and um it was a big project and I incorporated some furniture, some curtains, some photographs, artwork that came from her house. And <clears throat> it makes me happy to see the breakfast table that we have in the dining room it used to be the breakfast table in my mother's house. And it makes me happy to sit at that table and have meals. And so my house isn't her house. We don't own that house anymore that moment in time that was her life no longer exists but I can remember pieces of it by looking at a few things in the house in my own house that remind me of her and and that's enough that's that's a good place emotionally for me to be I guess is what I'm saying Abby commented note that certain time periods anniversary dates good or painful may make it hard to hard to work when that time period rolls around so be kind to yourself recognize that this is hard on you but you're still around and making progress slowly but steadily yeah exactly like the anniversary of the death is a big one the anniversary of birthday um, that kind of stuff you might find yourself emotionally sinking during that time and and that certainly grows that gets better over time but especially in the beginning you know, the first anniversary of everything, first of all, the first anniversary of everything is distressing. But when you get to year two and year three, then the anniversary of the death, the anniversary of birthdays, things like that. Um, 
are sometimes distressing. And so you just have to notice that you, you might be a little interrupted in your decluttering process when that's going on. And that's okay. You can make space for that, right? There are several related comments I want to share on the topic of habits and routines. AG said our routines are disrupted right now for many of us, so that messes up our habits. And mm, um, True that. Gail said, with no real time deadlines, I'm really struggling with creating and sticking with the daily routine. I just seem to slog through the day. Several people were talking about start projects that were started and never finished. Talking about clutter blindness, Anya yeah. said, I've come to the opposite place. My blindness is almost totally gone. I see messes everywhere all the time. All that, quote, needs to be done, end quote. That's too much in the other direction. And that's sort of where I... I tend to find myself too. I see things sitting around that remind me of to-do list items I haven't gotten to. Stuff you know. you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, and I, if you think about it, because we're not leaving the house every day, we're not getting any kind of a break from that landscape. So you're sort of trapped in the same place 24-7 with an occasional escape to the grocery store, right? Or, right. or you're go, you know, like you make one little run and you're in and out as fast as possible. And so it. Well, and trapped in the same place physically and yeah. also metaphorically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's, it is a, it is an emotional burden that you don't normally have to deal with to be in your same place, nonstop, unrelenting without cease. Right. And so right now, um, being kind to yourself is super important. And I think that we want to have the habits that we had before. We want to have the routines that we had before. And we sat around for a while waiting for things to get back to normal. And then we realized that, you know, there, this is really a new normal for a while. And so I think that we have to recognize that our habits and because the routines have changed um we we may have to modify our habits to be something that is more um kind to ourselves and more achievable in the environment that we find ourselves in um there's there's no nothing good will come from being super judgmental of yourself right now like there's no reason why you have to start being mean to yourself right so if you can't accomplish the old versions of your decluttering habits or cleaning habits or whatever, if they're too big, it's time to modify them for, you know, let's do the pandemic version of the habit and um, make it smaller, shorter, uh, more frequent, less frequent, like, you know, experiment in changing it so that it is something that you feel like you can accomplish and, um, and give yourself space. And we all have weird adjustments to our mental space and our emotional capacity right now. And if you're feeling a lot of anxiety or you're feeling a lot of stress, you know, I, so it's election time in the United States. <laughs> I am definitely, you know, as we get down to the last couple of weeks, I'm super stressed, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> Rejoice just put her hair, like put her hands in her hair and pulled her hair up in the air. That was perfect. That's a perfect description. Um, so I'm trying to recognize that 
I am more stressed and having more anxiety than is typical for me. I'm usually a very, you know, um, casual, calm person, and I'm finding myself uh, feeling on the edges of being anxious. And so uh, I'm having to modify what I do and, and accommodate for I'm being triggered a little bit right now and I need things to be calmer. And so um, I'm having to do things to be more kind to myself and change my routines and change the expectations of myself. You can still make forward motion, even if you're not doing it as fast and productively as you would if all things were perfect. But the truth is all things are not perfect. And before the pandemic, you had other things stressing you out. You just didn't have, we didn't all have a collective experience happening at the same time, right? My advice here is really just to give yourself a break and modify those habits like don't try to accomplish what you were doing before all this happened try to accomplish something new that works with your new routines design a new habit and see if you can't make that happen instead and you know as always there's no price for failure here it's you know you're if you do nothing you're standing in the same place you were yesterday so it's not like um it's not like it's getting radically worse. Right? You're just trying to start the train rolling down the track, right? You're just starting trying to start some forward motion. And so whatever that looks like for you, do it and do a happy dance. And that's why you call your friend and go, guess what I did today? I managed to accomplish blah, 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 blah. And make sure you call the person that then says, yay, <laughs> and cheers for you because you want to reinforce anything that makes you feel great and you want to tune out anything that makes it harder for you to do the work and so hopefully this uh you know five daily practice thing is something that will give you some habit differences some changes in and behavior and focus on something positive anya mentioned um getting rid of started projects she said, I had someone finish knitting a scarf for me, donated Ooh. some stuff and other things I just tossed. What a relief. Finishing something needs to be satisfying, not torturing. <laughs> and that's a great well, point. It, and, you know, you, you make the crafty analogy there. Anybody that's crafty at all has started a bunch of projects in their life, and then they – some of them they abandon because it's not as fun as you thought. It didn't come out how you liked, but whatever the reason is, it ends up in a corner somewhere. And then you find it later and go, oh, I really should finish this. But the truth is, it was just a craft. You don't have to finish it. If you don't love it, move it along. Let it go. Right? And somebody else may think it's fun. You can ask one, another crafty friend, do you want to work on this? Or you can um, – unravel any yarn or crochet that you did you can recapture the beads you can you know like you can let your um, decluttering be about destroying the project <laughs> you know, taking apart the project that you started so that it can stop mocking you you don't need to be mocked by your craft supply craft projects right or i need to fix that um i need to fix that curtain i need to fix the chair i need to fix the you know plumbing <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, if it's not a project that absolutely has to be done, then, you know, you can decide to take it off your to-do list by deciding not to do it, right? And so <clears throat> while you probably don't want to do that to 100% of the things on your to-do list, there may be a few things that are there that you can just go, yeah, 
that was a good idea, but I'm never going to do that. And I'm going to let it go and scratch, scratch, scratch off your list. <laughs> hey, last comment. Desiree says, when I started being kind to myself and listening to what my body is telling me is when I started seeing progress in my home. I need to be my own cheerleader and take care to fill up my emotional and physical tank before I can take care of things around me and that I am worth it. You are worth it and you're the person that will benefit when you get yourself in a position where you can change your own physical surroundings and you're the one that gets to live in the result. You're the one that gets to benefit from the clean space that you made and you get to walk by it every day and go, look at that. Isn't that my living room looks so great now. Look at this blank space on the stairway. You're the one that is going to 100% benefit from anything that you do and that is you are totally worth it. And that is the whole point of this exercise. Like the only reason that you care about this is because you're the one living in the mess. And so you are the one that gets to benefit from the work. And it, and yeah, I get it. Like, I think it's fun to, to clear out somebody's space. Other people think it's torture. I get it. But even in, even if you think of it as torture, even if you chunk it down to torture that you can manage, <laughs> The end result of that is that you are living in a space that you have cleared and it looks better when you're done. And that's the goal so that you get to benefit from your own, your own hard work. And it is a 100% direct relationship, right? Like everything that you remove, everything that you change, and you're the person that sees the difference and it's worth it. There you go. Okay, I'm going to come back to you in a minute for a final thought, but okay. quick a couple of quick announcements. I want to remind our viewers and listeners that our YouTube channel has more than 100 videos on lots of organizing topics. Go to cfhou.com slash YouTube if you haven't already been there. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and click the bell icon next to the subscribe button if you'd like to get notifications when we post something new there. I also want to remind viewers that we have a Patreon page. That's at cfhou.com slash Patreon. If you would like to make a small recurring monthly donation to support our projects, keep our videos coming and uh, help us work toward that crawling toward completion book. <laughs> Your final thoughts. Okay, so right now the pandemic and the upcoming elections in the United States are contributing to increased stress, sleep problems, and a jump in anxiety for all of us. Well, we reacted to this unusual situation with stress responses that aren't always positive and nurturing ways to cope. We're suggesting the alternative today of giving ourselves a meaningful assignment for self-improvement and self-care to help us navigate these times better. And these five steps won't feel natural, but that's the point, isn't it? Spending the time to process the emotions attached to your clutter, then dealing with your clutter and work on this daily practice to develop a more positive outlook on your environment. That's what we wish for you. We're just about out of time. I want to remind everyone that our next webcast will be next Tuesday, October 27th at noon U.S. Central Time, live in Zoom, and if Facebook cooperates, streaming on Facebook. <laughs> We're going to talk about what it means to hold on to or let go of stuff. This is a conversation that was prompted by a lively discussion in comments on one of our recent videos. We're going to talk about what it means to own something and different perspectives on giving gifts and making donations and so forth.
If you are watching on YouTube, we'd love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the Meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by going to cfhou.com Facebook or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com subscribe. We love to hear from you, so please keep those questions and topic suggestions coming in YouTube comments on Facebook and anywhere else that you find us. And you can always reach us through our website at clutterfairyhouston.com. We appreciate that you guys join us every week and you guys are super chatty today. We love it when you guys talk us up. So can't wait to go and read all the chats again. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye -bye. We'll see you guys next week.